for a little more freedom this day. Okay. Okay. Good morning. This working. This working this time. Beautiful. All right. Hey, let, we're going to start in Mark chapter two. This is like uh, what do they call it? This is um, the reason that I do what I do. That's what we're going to do this this service. Last service was a little different. I'm here really to talk about the broken and impressed, which could be anywhere. Mm-hmm. I love people coming out into the streets and doing street ministry. My my goodness, you don't have to be in the streets to be broke up. That's right. That's right. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, gonna say, I'm gonna say it. <laughs> Doctors and lawyers, senators and presidents. It doesn't matter. You don't escape from being broken up. They can find you. But here we're going to talk about why I do what I do, what the, the reasoning behind. What I talked about last um, last week when we were down in Van, Vandalia. Vandalia. I'd never been there before. Anyway, uh, we were down in Vandalia, and um, one of the things that uh, I remember talking about is that, uh, you know how it says in First Timothy, watch your teaching and your doctrine closely. Yeah. Because what you believe is really important. Yeah. Very important because it affects how you live. Right? Mm-hmm. So you got to be careful about what you believe. You know, there's people who believe certain things about abortion. There's people who believe certain things about... Whatever it is, what you believe affects how you live. Right. So be careful about what you believe. Yeah. Please ask the Lord, hey... Comb me out, <laughs> get yeah. the snarls out. Now, uh, this is why I, what I believe, um, and this is why I do what I do in the streets. Because, like Pastor Cameron said, I've been doing this uh, in the streets since 1999. I was just so excited about Jesus. I was like, "Well, shucks, ain't you know?" I look around. And I was like, "There's not any ministries that have openings for me right now, but I just go in the street." Come on, <laughs> that's the way. Yeah, me and my buddy. We, I remember going in the streets and people walking around, you know, walking along and, hey, get out of, and we got some great news for you. They'd be like, really? Why? What? <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> yeah, every once in a while you find someone who'll be like, man, I know. And so that was enough for us. We started that in 1999, and now that's what I do full time. Because I love it. And this is what I, this is, this is like... Why I do what I do. Awesome. Mark chapter 2. Well, you know what? Let's do in verse 1 first. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. Did you guys realize that? Isn't that crazy? See, because I don't know if you knew this, but in Matthew chapter 6, it says Jesus moved from Nazareth to Capernaum. Did you know that? Yeah. Huh. A, yeah, Jesus moved. He, you know he grew up in Nazareth. Right. Then he moved from Nazareth to Capernaum. So now in verse, verse 1, it says, A few days later, Jesus again entered Capernaum. The people heard he'd come home. 
Now, I don't know if it was his own house or his one he was sharing with Peter. I don't, who knows. But Jesus had a house? No. <laughs> Everything, that's where Jesus lives. And when he comes home, we're going to be there. Because look at verse 2. So many people gathered that there was no room left, not even outside the door. Jesus came home. Like, hey, Jesus is here. Oh. Put the kid down. Come on, let's go. Now, that's just the first part. Now we get to uh, verse 13. So we're going to skip to verse 13 because he heals this guy that gets let down through the roof. You remember that? Yeah. Dude gets let down the roof. He says, man, here, get out of Get out of Get out of here. <laughs> verse 13. Once again, Jesus went outside beside the lake. So we're still here in Capernaum. A large crowd came to him. He began to teach them. As he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus told him, and Levi got up and followed him. When Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. When the teachers of the law who were with the Pharisees saw him eating with the sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said to them, it's not the healthy who need the doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Come on. This is good news, y'all. All right, now. Yep. <laughs> what, I, what I found out, and this is something that I believe about um, Jesus and what I believe his church needs to reflect to is one of the things that Jesus gained a reputation was he had a reputation of being friend of sinners. Yes. Jesus. Friend of sinners. All right, but you guys knew that. What I was, what I want to talk about first is that word friend. Come on. Friend. Okay, then let me ask you this. What makes a good friend? <coughs> okay, trust. They listen. Support. Support. Loyalty. 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 Honesty. Honesty. They love him no matter what. Unconditional love. You'd like to spend time with them? Of course. you got to spend time with friends. You love it. They're friends. Right? Now, you just listed... Uh, it's, it's a short list, but the list could go longer, right? Yep. But what I want you guys to think about in your mind is... You just eliminated a whole bunch of people. <laughs> yes? Yes. Yes, you did. Now you have people who are acquaintances. Yeah. Yeah. That maybe you say, "Hey, this is my friend so and so," but really, that list right there just eliminated almost everyone. Come on. Because you're talking about someone who you're like, "Oh my goodness, I broke down on 131 near Vandalia." (laughs) 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 Who am I gonna call? Oh my goodness, who am I gonna? You know, you look through your your phone. You know, you're like, "Nope, no." He'd ignore my call. No, 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 no. Ooh. Come on. You push. No, I'm in trouble, man. Broke down. Can you please come get me? Like, I'll be there in 30 minutes. Yeah. Friend. Yeah. Come yeah. on. Yeah. Alright. Okay, but this other word, sinners, is just as deep of a word. Because like we talked down in uh, last, last week, hey, if I introduce you to someone and say, hey, here's so-and-so, he's a, he's a sinner. 
That's not something nice to say. You know what I mean? That's not even, here's so-and-so, they're working on their relationship with Christ. That is saying, here's so-and-so, and they have no desire or thought in their mind to serve the Lord. Sinner, when I looked it up, it basically means someone bent on sinning. I'm back. I woke up this morning, and I have a whole list of things that I'm going to do, and none of them am I going to have a hard conscience about. Mm -hmm. And they include this, this, and this, and you're like, what? No, I'm not just going to go to the, you know, we're going to go and have a couple drinks and watch the game. I'm going to get drunk. Mm -hmm. And I, I intend on it. You know, we got cab fare in our pocket. Come on, okay, the word sinners is not a, a nice word. It's a derogatory term. Yeah. Now, your Jesus and my Jesus became known as being a friend of sinners. A friend of sinners. Now, it is my opinion that if it's true about Jesus... It's probably got to be true about his bride. Come on. Amen. Preach it. That's the kind of woman you You think about, think about some of those uh, uh, exhortations by Paul who says, I want you to be equally yoked. Mm-hmm. And then right after saying something like, this is a great mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. Mm-hmm. Yes, Jesus Christ coming for a bride equally yoked with himself. Compatible with him, who is also a known friend of sinners? No. Now, this is this is where I want to, and we got to focus on this a minute because this is some, this is this is where the rubber meets the road. Turn to Mark chapter ten, because this is where I, this is where I see it. We're gonna come back to Mark chapter two, but we're gonna be in Mark chapter ten, verse seventeen. This is the story of the rich young ruler. You remember that guy? Jesus started on his way. A man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered, no one's good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not give false testimony. Do not fraud on your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all these things I have kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have and give to the poor. You have a treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Okay, you guys remember that story? Yes. All right, now, the part that I had overlooked for the longest time is uh, verse 21. Jesus looked at him and loved him. Because I didn't know... But uh, I found out there is a look of love. That's right. Now listen to this. Years ago, I was um, uh, hanging out with a guy named James Harris. This is probably like ten years ago. Yeah. He was where he, some of you guys know PJ. He's sweet. Love yeah, he's an awesome dude. So he was doing a youth. He was doing a youth um, group over at Christian Life Center. He was a youth pastor there, and he brought in this uh, this rap. Uh, Christian rap group from Los Angeles. They were street ministers there. So, 
said, we're going to have the gospel gangsters come in. And, you know, I was like, uh, I was like, cool, you know, cool. So I said, what do you need me to do, PJ? He said, Nate, listen, when they come in, you stand right here by the door. Don't let anyone in there to try and bother them while they're praying before the, before the, uh, the concert. I was like, I can do that. So I'm standing there waiting for them to come, you know, and they come. I preach in the streets. Yeah. <laughs> this is the best audience we get, you know what I'm saying? Most of them are like, hey, you s- I'll, I'll be right back. <laughs> no. He's okay. PJ says, stand right here. I stand right here. Here comes the team. All right, here comes the gospel gangsters. They're walking down the hall. And uh, they walk. The leader, the leader's name is Solo. He's one of the best street ministers I've ever met. So he's walking by. He walked by, he said, how you doing? They walk into the room, do their little thing, pray, and then they come, when they come out and go to the concert, never talk to him again, haven't seen him since. The problem was, I knew that he loved me. I couldn't explain it. It haunted me. It messed me up. I'm, so, I'm going to show you exactly what it was so you know why I was so messed up. How you doing? That's it! That's the extent of our exchange. How are you doing? In, in the look in his eye, in the face, the countenance of his face, and he looked at me and said, how are you doing? And I knew that he loved me. I can't explain why I knew. I just knew. I couldn't explain it. I was messed up. It messed me up for like two years. I would sit there and think, I would sit back and think, okay, because you know how you know something. You know, you just don't know how you know it. You just know. <laughs> You just know you know. You don't know how you know. You're just like, I know this. I knew it. I couldn't explain it. I'm sitting there. I'll be thinking about it. And I was like, why in the heck just happened to me? This dude just loved me. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I'm so serious. I've thought about this for a couple years. Until... Well, I went down to San Antonio. I was down there with one of our mentors, and he's, uh, he invited ministers from all, uh, uh, some of his sons in the faith from all over the world. Came to San Antonio to hear him speak to us for like a week. So he's coming down there, and uh, uh, Pastor Mohan is from uh, Andhra Pradesh. He's, uh, uh, that's India, uh, southern part of India. And uh, he's got a church of Zion Fellowship is about 120,000. Then, like, like when I email Pastor Mohan, he don't email right back. No, I'm so serious. It takes like a month. I'll email him and be like, hey, Pastor Mohan, how did that uh, that youth service go? Praise the Lord, Nathaniel, like a month later. Praise the Lord, Nathaniel. 7,000 kids gave their life to Christ. You know, two people who were blind since birth received their sight. Two people who were paralyzed walked out. I got to go. <laughs> And the first time I ever met Pastor Mohan, the same stinking thing happened to me. I looked at Pastor Mohan and I said, Pastor Mohan, we'd like to take you out for breakfast and just pick your brain and blah, blah, blah. And Pastor Mohan just turned and said, anything you want. Because the look in his face told me, dude, I love you. I'm talking about, I I can't explain it. Then... 
I was reading in Mark chapter 10, several months later, and I looked at this and it said, Jesus looked at the man and loved him. Okay, keep that in your mind. Because probably in your mind, you're already saying, well, Brother Nate, uh, it's a pretty cute little sermon you got going. But listen, you can't love someone that you just seen. You can't love someone that you just never, never met. And I don't think you've ever watched a baby story on TLC channel. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. I'm not even kidding. You have this, 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 this couple and they allow the cameras into their home and into their hospital room or whatever it is. And they have a, a baby and a, you know, they, they talk about the pregnancy and then finally the day comes and the very different ways that they have them. Some in a bathtub, some in the, you know, whatever. And the, the baby comes out and you see two people looking at this person they've never met and they're there's love on their face that you can't explain. They're looking at this little baby and they're like, Oh, God, do anything for you. God, do anything for you, little fella. Oh, my goodness, you're perfect. Oh, look at you. Oh, oh, are you seeing this? And the nurse is like, Yeah, we go through this. And oh, my gosh. <laughs> and you see the look of love in someone who they've never met this person. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, look, love, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm trying to tell you guys this because you've all seen someone who's been disappointed with you and they've never told you. They never said it out of their mouth. You saw it flash across their face as you told them the story and it just, it might have only been for a second and you knew they were disappointed. Come on. I've walked into my own house. <laughs> hey, babe, I'm home and look there, say, Whoa, what'd I do? She didn't say anything. She didn't say anything to me. And as when I walked in, I was like, oh, did I forget the, oh, and the, what did I do? I know I, oh, man. Oh, babe, what, is everything okay? Yeah, that's all right. Boom. I don't know, man. I can see something's wrong. Yeah, look at her face. Yeah. So here comes this Jesus who is love. See, now we're talking about the Father's love of the broken and the oppressed, the hurting, the downtrodden, the outcast, and the Father who was perfectly represented in this man, Christ Jesus. Yes. You remember what he told Philip at the upper room in John 14. Philip said, show us the Father, that'd be good enough. <laughs> Jesus said, oh, don't you know me after I've been with you all this time? You've seen me, you have seen the Father. Yeah. Alright, so here's this Jesus, who is love, because it said God is love. We're not talking about this is what he does, you know, when he's not angry. Right. God is love. He doesn't do anything apart from love. That's who he is. So that's Jesus. This Jesus, who is completely beaming with love, is getting ready to meet this dude named Levi. Mark chapter 2. Once again, Jesus went out beside the lake. A large crowd came to him. He began to teach them. As he walked along, he saw, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus told him. And Levi got up and followed him. 
So beautiful. So beautiful. Because you guys all know, in Capernaum, which is like north, uh, the north part of the Sea of Galilee. Now we're talking about, this is a place that is not completely under the Romans' like administration. So, in Capernaum, Herod is the one that's taking all the taxes, which means he's partnering with people like Levi to cheat people out of money. It was well known. They all hated tax collectors. Because of who they are, they were considered as unclean. Unclean, sinning, cheating, dirty little scumbag thinking, oh, you know what I'm saying? You're just a traitor, Lord. I can't stand you. Oh, I can't stand you. And here comes this Jesus, king of the universe, beaming with love, known as a friend of sinners. And he comes by the tax collector's booth and it says he saw him. The locked eyes. Now, what did this Levi, this everyone hates him, see? For the first time, maybe in decades, he saw no judgment. Maybe for the first time ever, he didn't see hatred in someone approaching him. When this Levi saw Jesus, he was stunned. He saw love. Jesus looked at him and said, hey, you follow me. Levi, in Matthew's version, said he left everything at once and followed him. Not like, hey, okay, now make sure you take care of my papers. Put, the, put that stack with this one and make sure. Jesus, Levi said, where, where do you want to go? Well, I'm, I'm with you, dude. I'm with you. And then what did it also say? Get to the, t- get to the place and you find out many followed him. Many tax collectors and known sinners followed Jesus. What? Are you, what, why? Because when they got around Jesus, they felt a little bit better about who they were. Maybe, oh, maybe I can do it. I'm not as bad as I feel when everyone else looks at me. I know I've led a life of sin. But when I get around this Jesus, I feel like I can really serve God. When I get around this Jesus, I don't feel the judgment that I feel when I'm around those people who say they love Adonai. Oh, and they got around Jesus. And Jesus became known as a friend of those people everyone else hated. A friend. Now, I understand that Jesus loved sinners. I get that part. That's just John 3.16. So loved the entire world, gave his only son. Anyone who believe in him will have eternal life. So we know God has a heart in his place for for the sinners. He is all in love with sinners. What I want you all to see is I dare you to read the scriptures again, especially the gospels, and you'll see that yes, Jesus loved sinners, but you can see from the scriptures that sinners loved Jesus. Yes. Come on. Known sinners loved Jesus. They loved him. Now, put that in your mind along with some of the people who are hurting and broken right now coming into the churches today. And let me ask you, if they feel like you love them like Jesus loved the sinners that were around him. And they come in smelling like weed smoke. When they come in and they're maybe still drunk from last night. 
When they get around, did they, there, was there, a, was there a, a flash of judgment that came over your face when you welcomed him in? But hey, welcome! Uh, oh, oh, so I'm the. Uh, I want to know because if it's true about Jesus, then it's supposed to be true about His bride. I want to know if when we get around the sinners and Channel 3 comes around to a group of known sinners and, this, and they come, hey, what do you think about the church here? You know, what do you think? How's that? What's been your experience? And they say, oh, I love them. I love those people. Man, they, they, when, and when it was my worst, I went to that guy down the street and I, I, he did it. I was so stunned and he, he loved on me. Man, I tell you what, I'd do anything for those people down the street. Come on. <laughs> it's what happened when every sinner met Jesus. They were so stunned at his kindness yeah. and his gentleness. Yeah, he made suggestions about, but hey, I, if I were you, I'd leave that life of sin, bro. It's destroying you, man. You leave it. Leave it alone. But it wasn't coming from an eye full of judgment. Get yourself together, my goodness. Well, we're going to be worshiping at around 9 if you want to make it. You know what I'm saying? You probably should get there. When they met Jesus, they saw love looking back at them. And Jesus looked at them in love and said, Ah, you're exactly what I need. You're exact. Oh, my goodness, you're stunning. And looking at me? Who, me? Jesus, are you sure you know who you're talking about? I've been a prostitute basically the most of my adult life. Don't you worry about it. I got the power. I'll take care of that. Don't you worry about it. I got, I'll get you. All I need is for you to just meet. Just, well, I just want to be with you. I'll show you how to live. I'll show you how to live. It's going to be a lot better. It's going to be a lot better. My goodness, I'm so excited. Are you sure? I'm sure you're with me. Because do you know who this Levi is? The one who wrote the book of Matthew. A hated sinner who gets involved with Jesus. And the next thing you know, he starts to say, man, you know what? I think I could be a disciple. Yeah. Hey, guess what, mom? I, I decided to follow this rabbi. And she said, oh, are you serious? Oh, my prayers. Oh, thank you. Oh, my goodness. My prayers have been answered. Oh, because this dude met a Jesus. So... When we started doing our work in Benton Harbor, which is about about three years ago now, we're talking with my friend Al. He's the one uh, that's working with me. He's a 65-year-old white guy from Zealand. He's, he's, the, he's the best. He's the best. Here's why. He loves people. Oh, he loves people. So I said to him, Rev. I call him Rev. I said, Rev. We got to have a list of goals for these next two or three years. What are? What do you think we should? What, sh- what should we accomplish? So we have our g- goals. You know, are, are we starting house churches? All right, how many? Or what's our goal for how many we want to start? You know, are we starting uh, Bible studies? Or we got discipleship groups going. You know, all the things that you're supposed to list. <laughs> and we're praying through this list and thinking about it. And I said, Rev, you know what? At the end of the first year, we have to become known as friends of sinners. It has to be true about us that when those gangbangers get around us, 
And those drug dealers and those drug addicts get around us when they see us and we turn to see them and they're coming down the street with Oh Oh, I'm so glad to see you. Where have you been? Get in here. Come on now, get in here. I got oh man, sit down, man. You are you hungry? Come on, I got some stuff. No, I'm not talking about people who are now in the discipleship class. I'm about talking about people who are still dealing drugs. I'm talking about people who are still hurting and broken. And when they get around us, do they feel like, man, I really love those guys. Yeah. I really love them. I really, that's what I'm saying that Jesus became known as. That's what I'm saying his church has to become known as. Because when you look in this scripture, I want to ask you something. Years from, there, years from this encounter, then you see Levi looking back on those days. He said, man, I remember when I first met him. No. Oh, I met him. And he thought, think about the way it was with Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was the same kind of dude, a tax collector who everybody hated, who in his one encounter with Jesus was so stunned that he gave his half of his belongings to the poor. One encounter with Jesus the Christ and Zacchaeus was changed forever. Because when Jesus came into his presence and he saw Zacchaeus, it's like the first time Jesus is going to see you. Imagine that in your minds. Imagine it in your heart. You turn and you see Jesus for the first time. And you guys see one another. And he's like, oh, everybody stay right here. I'll be right back. Oh, come. I'm going to tell you guys something really crazy. But I first started thinking about this. Probably late 1980s. I'm so serious. I heard this really weird Amy Grant song. I don't even know if you know who Amy Grant is. Do you know Amy Grant? This is crazy. Because I was like, I don't even know. You know, they're playing songs for you in the youth. I don't even know who this lady is. You know, And there was a lyric in her song where she said, uh, He calls my name. I look at him. It's clear he'll trust every word I say. He say, I call his name. He looks at me. It's clear that he'll trust every word I say. He turns to you and you say, Jesus? And he turns to you for the first time. And you see each other. And there's nothing about disappointment in his eyes. No disappointment at all. He's not frustrated about what you weren't able to accomplish. He's not frustrated about how many times you fell this week. He's not frustrated that you forgot to read his word the whole month of February. (laughs) Nothing in his countenance shows anything but, I'm so excited to see you. Oh, come over here. Get over here, little lady. Oh, oh, it's so beautiful to see you. You're everything that I've dreamed about. And the thing is, it's clear in Scripture that that's the way sinners, known sinners, experience Jesus. 
And we go into Benton Harbor. Now, we're going into Detroit. And our whole desire is we want that same thing to be true about us when we meet known sinners. People far, far from Christ. I know of one right now, right now, a murderer in Benton Harbor. He got into a gunfight when he was doing a drug deal. Shot somebody trying to get out of the drug deal. And when he came back to his house, he was uh, sweating and crying. Found out later that the dude died. Now, for the past 10 years, he is drunk. He said, I've been drinking so hard trying to, because he said, I can't sleep for more than 15 minutes at a time. It weighs on me. I know I'm going to have to go before a God who is going to judge me to hell because of what I did. And we're sitting there, and we know this, and we minister to Him, and He's still a drug dealer. But when we see Him, His eyes light up. He says, "Of anybody that I know, that dude right there, I know that He loves me." And what I'm asking, church, is are you willing to allow the Holy Spirit to show that in you to people who are far from Christ and even people who should know better? That's what I really want to know. Even in people who are messing up right now, who you think should know better, when they get around you, do they feel like, man, I don't know if I want to go over there. I don't, I, don't, I don't want to feel bad again about myself. I already feel like a piece of dump. I don't want to go over there and feel worse. No, I ain't going over there. Or do they say, I, I, I need a little bit of encouragement. Maybe I'll go to that church right there because I know they're waiting to see me. Come on. That's why I do what I do yeah. in Benton Harbor. That's why I do what I do in the church. That's what I do, what I do in Detroit and in Kalamazoo, because I am in the business of discipling known sinners. Amen. Known sinners. People who, Zacchaeus didn't know he was being discipled by Jesus. Levi didn't know he was being discipled by Jesus. They were known sinners, and when they got around him, they said, Jesus, I want to be like you. Known sinners got around Jesus and said, I want to be like you. Mm. I give up the way I was. It wasn't working. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> this reason I'm broke right now is the reason I'm broken right now. But if I could be like you, and he said, I came for people just like you. Yeah. Uh. And I remember, and this is, I'm close with this. One day, I decided I'm going to read Song of Solomon. <laughs> you know how hard that is. You're like, man, this is a crazy book. This is, <laughs> this is a weird little book here. So I, <laughs> I decided I'm going to read it in the message translation, okay? That'll help. That'll help at least a little. You know, like, oh, man. So I'm reading chapter one, and here is the, the, the bride. Talking about her groom. Uh Hear that. Here's the bride talking about her groom. And she says about the groom, everyone loves you. Why wouldn't they? Uh That's what it says. Go read it if you don't believe me. In the message translation in chapter 1, she says about her groom, 
Everyone loves him. Why wouldn't they? And the same is true today. Everyone who meets Jesus loves him. I'm not talking about everyone who meets religion, everyone who meets Christianity, everyone. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about everyone who meets Jesus loves him. Everyone who meets him is stunned by how good and how much better he is than their word. This word right here pales in comparison to who Jesus is. And what I want for us as a group of people who love Jesus is that what was said about Jesus is said about us too. Come on. Yeah. Yes, Jesus loves Kalamazoo. That's sweet. The church. His church loves Kalamazoo. Every part of it. Every sinner. Every corrupt banker. Every, every drug addict and drug dealer, every compromised preacher, every single prostitute, every single compromised police officer, every cheating husband, every cheating wife, every drunk suburban wife, we love them all! We love them all! Not because of who they are, but because of whose image they bear. And you look at them, and they mess up again, and you say, I love, love you, and I love being with you. And the Lord told me the other day, He said, as you mature in Christ, you rejoice to be with people. Mm -hmm. Wow. And it is going to be true of his bride upon his return. Because he's not returning for a bride that's broken up and, and disgusting and, and, and falling apart. He's returning for a bride who is glorious and who loves the world like he did. Mm. Who loves the world like he does. Who loves sinners like he does. That when sinners talk, start to talk about his bride... The same look comes in their eyes when they're talking about him. They say, I met this couple. <laughs> I met this couple. Oh, I never, I didn't want to leave them. Who was it? Well, the dude's name, I think, was Joshua or Yeshua or something like that. And he just kept on calling her his bride and his sweetest his sweetest and I don't know and, and they really loved each other but my goodness they they loved me come on it has to be true of his people yeah in Jesus name it is true of his people yeah. I declare that today yeah I, de- I declare that over us right now yeah. Lord Lord I declare we are we're just like you yeah the scripture says, and I believe, anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. Yeah. The old is gone. The new has come. And we declare that over us right now. Yeah. We're not judgmental. Amen. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. We're not, we're not looking at people with disgust or distaste. Amen. We're full of faith like you are, Jesus. Yeah. We're full of compassion and love and mercy. We're full of mercy. We choose to believe the best about everyone that we encounter. We forgive immediately and take no record of wrongs. We trust all. We believe all. We're never proud or rude. Oh my goodness, we claim that. That's not what we're trying to be. That's who we are because we've been born again. Yeah. 
We're born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, incorruptible seed is alive in us. I, we have been crucified with Christ and we no longer live. It's Christ living in us. The life we live now in the flesh, we live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave his life for me. I have been baptized into the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Jesus. And we reflect you. We reflect you from one glory to another. We're growing up into our salvation. And no longer our sinners going to look at us with remorse. No longer our sinners going to look at us and wish they didn't have to be around us. When sinners start to talk about us, they talk about us with fondness. And they start to get drawn closer to Jesus because of being with his people. We declare that over us. We declare that over the church in Kalamazoo. No matter how far away from that they are, we declare that today, Holy Spirit, you're given license to invade our gatherings and cause us to be people who are in love with sinners. Oh, thank you. And not just that, but sinners. People far from those those little cousins and nephews, those uncles and aunts who everyone else talks about. They get around us and they, they are excited to see us because they know, oh, I love that person right there. I love them. Oh, I love them. They, they're never full of judgment. They're always full of encouragement. They're always full of joy and thanksgiving when they see me. And they're excited to see me every time I see them. And we declare that over your people. We are rising up now. We're rising up now. And we blow into dry bones. Air, the the, the air of the Holy Spirit, just like you did, Jesus. We look at known sinners like Levi, and we breathe life into them, just like you did, Jesus. People far from Christ, people hurting, strung out on drugs. And we see them, and we see all, we see disciples of Jesus when we see them. We're confident, not in our ability to pull it off, but in your ability to clean your own bride. Thank you, Holy Spirit. It's all in your hands, and we trust you. We trust you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. What a Savior. Jesus, you saved me from the pit. You saved me when I was full of drugs and alcohol. You saved me, and you came and you brought me. When you looked at me, you never judged me. You never said, Nate will never be anything. You looked at me and said, one day I'm going to ask you to preach in the streets. And all I was at the time was just a drug addict. And I thank you, Father God, that same Holy Spirit is alive in Kalamazoo and looking in the highways and byways for the next street preachers. He's in the highways and the byways looking for the next missionaries. Oh, looking for the next... Oh, thank you, Holy Spirit. You're blowing now, even now. And we see revival and we say yes and amen. We say yes and amen. It's already started. It is already moving. And we pray, Father God, let every one who hears answer the call from heaven and come streaming to you. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Lord. You are beautiful. You are beautiful. And your son is worth serving with everything I have. Not give everything I am over to you. We give everything we are over to you. We set our face towards you, Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. And we are not turned back. We love because you first loved us. And now, 
at this time when everyone is talking bad about the church and everybody is talking out against your bride, we stand up and we say, King Jesus, do in us what you've done in so many other people. Transforming even the hardest sinners into known apostles, prophets, evangelists, teachers, and preachers. Taking taking some of the worst sinners and turning them into disciples that write your holy word. We call them from the north, the south, the east, and the west. Come, for everything is ready. Come. We don't care what's happening right now. When you get there, he'll fix you up. We know someone that we think you ought to meet. You're doing it. Thank you, Lord. You're doing it. And we see what you're doing, and it is marvelous in our sight. Prayers we've forgotten, we have prayed, are starting to come to pass. And we say yes and amen. Now, do here in New Day something that is worthy of your great name. Yes, Thank you for hearing our prayer, but God, you're the only one who hears and then answers with fire from heaven. So answer with fire again here in New Day. May that name be prophetic. A new day in your people. We receive it. By faith in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Uh, Give it up, man. Is that a good word? Awesome. Wow. Uh, Listen, church, we need this. I mean, we believe this. We all believe this. We, you know, there's, there's things we, there's values that we hold, and then there's aspirational values, and there's values you aspire to. Those are things you wish you were. Okay? <clears throat> and like, so much of what I hear Nate speaking is like, ah, yeah, I believe that, but really it's like, I wish I was more like that. How many understand what I'm saying? Okay, let's go from understanding to actually being. Right, keep your hand up. Let's just go to the Lord. Father, we receive from you that love. Lord, we know that it's not something we have to generate out of ourselves. We don't have the love. But your word says that the love of God is poured or shed abroad into our hearts through your Holy Spirit. And Jesus, you said the Holy Spirit would come and fill us. So just say, I receive your love for myself and for others. In Jesus' name. Oh, thank you. Father, I pray that it would break out, Lord, that your love would just beam out. 
Lord, of our faces and our lives, out of our mouths, out of our actions, Lord, to the point where other people are changed. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. And, And just as a church, as a pastor of this church, I say this is the target. This is what we're going for. This is the kind of bride I know that Jesus really loves to be with. This is who we're called to be. Uh, This is who we are. And we just need to allow that to come out. And so we just lay hold of it and claim it in Jesus' name. And Father, I thank you for the manifestation of it. That we'll see it. That people will be excited when we're around because they see the love of the Father. They see the love of Jesus. Amen, amen. And listen, if you're here this morning and you don't know what I'm talking about, or when when Nate was talking about seeing love and not understanding, like what was that? If you've never had the experience where you've seen Jesus look at you, maybe it was through the eyes of somebody else, maybe it was while you're reading Scripture, maybe it was when you're alone and just heard God's voice, if you've never experienced that, or maybe if you've You've tasted, but you don't quite know what it means. We have a prayer team that's going to be available up on this side, on my right-hand side of the stage. If you guys could come up now. If there's somebody on the prayer team could come up. Kathy has a word. Quickly. I was thinking about in the Old Testament when there were sacrifices offered. It was a dead thing that was laid on the altar. And I think in us, you know, he was talking about aspirational values, things that we wish we were, that we, that we wish we believed, we wish we were passionate about. That's like the dead sacrifice. And they put the dead sacrifice up there, and down came the fire, especially with was Elijah, Elijah, one of them. You know, God, they poured the water and everything, and it was as dead as it could be. But the fire of God came. And so we're here today. I, this is what I feel like as we're offering up ourselves. There's part of us that are fiery, and there's part of us that's cold. But the fire is coming down, and he's going to receive that sacrifice. There's a shift happening today. There's a shift going on. And I just encourage you to receive that fire. You don't, it's his doing. All you have to do is offer the, the dead thing. And he does the rest. Yeah. Yeah, and in Pentecost in the New Testament, you know, tongues of fire literally appeared on the disciples. And, 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 and that's the fulfillment that we live today, that the Holy Spirit, the fire of God, is to, to not only be on us, but in us to bring fire. And, uh, and so if you've, if, you're, if you've never experienced that love of the Lord and, or you're unsure of where you are in relationship with Him, they can pray for you and lead you in a prayer so that you don't leave here alone. All right? Because Jesus wants to go with you home and wherever you go. He wants to have that type of relationship and they can help you toward that. Or if you want more of this passion, if you want to be restored, if you want to experience more, please take advantage of that. On this side of the stage, we have our our prophetic team. These are folks trained to hear God's voice and share with you what they feel God would say. It's recorded. Uh, They only minister to one or two, but it's a powerful ministry and we do encourage people to take advantage of that. All right, I want to pray more. (laughs) Well, it's too late. Hey, you know what we're going to do? We're going to dismiss. Stand up, greet one another, tell somebody you love them. God bless you. You're dismissed. Uh, Thanks for coming.